1: Are we not the bestest of some friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the official podcast of sixth defenseman across the NHL. We're going to scrap the whole Dallas Stars angle and just break down that final pairing for all 30 I gosh 32 now franchises across the league it's going to be fantastic I really really think that if we specialize in this way it's just we're going to we're going to corner the market and chatter around that that 6D man and and there is no better way to get this done no better man to ride by my side as we make this journey than Tyler how are you how are you doing today sir
2: uh, I, I'm excited, you know, everyone tuning in this podcast really wants to hear about that uh, New Jersey Devils third pairing, so, you know, let's just hop right in. All right, I'm going to gonna I'm gonna do something really
1: mean. Without the use of the internet, who is on the New Jersey Devils third pairing?
2: Uh, <laughs> are they so bad that Subban, well, I guess Subban's not that good anymore. I mean, he's probably like a, you know, if he doesn't come out, he could be that, like, Fitzman, I don't know. They have Hughes. They have Hughes now. I know that. He plays forward, I thought. Isn't he a forward? No, but they drafted the uh Then they draft <laughs> the other one. Uh Luke, doesn't Luke Hughes play defense? That's not a real name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's like the Listen, fourth overall pick.
1: <laughs> the the lesson here is I didn't know either, and you could have just faked it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, the official podcast of Luke Hughes. Like, I think it might be Luke Hughes. I don't know. Hockey names I, I are sure. it's probably like it's,
2: Braden it's Jack y. Went Luke, and Luke was drafted to join Jack in New Jersey.
1: Okay. 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 And the other one's in Vancouver. Yes. Got Jack's, a, Jack's the
2: lone forward, and the other two are defensemen.
1: All right. All right. Now we're cooking. We're, we're dispensing some hockey knowledge. We're, sh- we're, we're shaking the rust off. It's, it's you know, August.
2: and It's been a long yeah. time since we talked about the Devils, so. <laughs> you know what?
1: We just, we're going to fix this all in post. KT's going to clean it up. It's going to be fine. Um, we're, at, we're actually going to talk about the Dallas Stars at some point. I'm, I'm certain of it. I, I've got a good feeling in my gut. And, you know, we're going to follow up last week's insightful conversation we're going to keep working through the positional groups for the Dallas Stars we're, we're I got to be honest this one's not going to be as entertaining right we're, we're going after one of the least glamorous aspects of the Dallas Stars team of course I mean we're going to talk about center depth and we're going to talk about how that's going to shape up um over the course of the, the season and, and you know we make it we may get into some other stuff we'll we'll see where the night takes us um but I, I'm anticipating we'll have our hands full so with that um now that we've we've got some Luke Hughes facts going, um, <laughs> we'll just talk about you know of course looking at the Dallas Stars depth chart and this gets a little bit wonky right because in the, the modern NHL every every forward plays a little bit of center right we're we're in the era of the C slash right but um, you know if we talk about recognized centers the Dallas Stars in my opinion and Tyler please keep me honest on, on if I've I've left anybody off the list but just talking about guys that can play the position we're talking about Tyler Sagan Joe Pavelski Radek Foxa this Luke Glendin guy that they've they've signed can do it a little bit uh Jamie Benn of course had flashes there last season Heinz has played the pivot in the past Um, am I missing anybody
2: uh there there's a case if he can make the team for Ty DeLandria but otherwise I think that pretty much as far as people we expect to be on the roster, I think that about covers it.
1: And of course, traditionally, four center spots available, four lines. So that's, you know, for those of you scoring at home, that, that is more than four. And I guess let's start with, you know, talk, we'll just work. We'll we'll work our way down the lineup. And, and, and Tyler, when you think about the Dallas Stars, who is who is and we'll, we'll start here. What makes a number one center? Just we'll start
2: broadly and then we'll get into the the actual roster. Jeez, uh, that's a that's a really <laughs> interesting question. You know, I, I think it really depends on. I, I think there's just two different kind of mindsets. <laughs> this is kind of genius, but there's two different kind of when I it comes to mind of two different uh top centers. There is you know what you know and the and the past at least you know at the top of his prime you know what we'd imagine for. Um, Tyler Sagan to be where it was this is a guy where yes he's taking face-offs but you know what you're really looking at um, is ultimately the offense and the point production and that they're going to be that guy who can you know set people up who can you know rack up those assists you think about you know for instance Jason Spezza was a good example of that of someone you just put out there and they're just kind of you know pass the fuck around all day long and you know rack up points on the board and then there's the the second variety where you know they're still point producers, but this is where you're more looking at the um, Sean Cotier or the or patrice Bergeron, where they're more of the you know this is the guy you put him out there and he just goes back and forth he's going to win you the face off in your own zone so you can get it out he's going to win it. And the opponent's zone, so you can keep it in, he's going to basically, you know, kind of be that all moving all around presence on the line where it's like, okay, you just need to take, you know, find some uh, decent wingers to slap on the side and he'll be able to pretty much, you know, carry his own tempo.
1: Yeah, I think that's that to
2: me. I, I
1: would agree with that. The kind of traditional mold of the number one center is that guy that just does everything, right? He's going to play 20, 20 ish minutes a night in any situation you can imagine. It's kind of like the coach's cheat code, right? Don't have to worry so much about, you know, where you are in the zone. Don't have to worry so much about, you know, game situation. He's just the guy that you, you send out there to get the job done, right? And the one rink I'll throw is I, I do think we've seen something a little bit recently in that teams these days don't necessarily need a number one center, right? We've gotten to the point where there's your defensive specialist, there's your offensive centers, there's, you know, a lot of things that you can do if you don't necessarily have that guy, right? So first, first stars related question, do you think in your opinion, A, the stars have that kind of traditional number one center and B, if yes, then who?
2: Uh, I would say right now, Probably no, especially in the you know the mindset of the person like we we're talking about. You know, you just throw him out there, and he just plays you know so fluidly both sides of the uh, of the rink. I, I don't think the Stars necessarily have someone who would fit that criteria. I think they have a lot of players that you could say, hey, this is our our team's top center. And you'd be like, hey, that guy's pretty good. You're in pretty good shape, and especially with uh you know maybe some of the the younger guys it's kind of like all right that's definitely someone who could become that guy that you know like like I think Sagan was for you know good part of his career here where it was like oh yeah like the stars have Sagan as their number one center they're in good shape uh, i don't think they're in that shape right now but i think what they instead have is they just have you know a, a lot of solid guys who could pick up that role a lot of good quality people who could fill up that top 6 and so yeah, for me, it's not so much, yeah, this is who it is, this is who you need to circle on your calendar, but more so, I don't want to say number one center by committee, but it kind of is in my mind.
1: I mean, it's not It's not the craziest thing. I guess the one, the one area I would argue is I am very intrigued by Sagan post-bubble playoffs. And what I mean by that is I think that he had been – a little bit under the radar. The focus on him has always been the offense, right? And he's, he's kind of, he had the the year of the crossbar, right? And then he's had, you know, some good seasons. He had a couple of struggling offensive seasons recently, but, you know, I remember being struck by during the, the bubble playoff, looking at Sagan and, you know, two things being glaringly obvious to me. The first was that, and, and by the way, these are not unique to me. I'm not, I'm not a savant by any stretch, but the two things that really stood out were first Was that he was clearly hurt, right? The we would learn later all of the hip stuff. And, you know, he he was playing with some pretty severe physical limitations. And I thought that was, you know, anybody that had spent any time watching Tyler Sagan play hockey could could see that manifest itself. However, the thing that really struck me about the bubble playoff was he was still really effective. And he was still able to do things on on you know in, in all up and down the ice that generally helped his team, despite those those limitations. So the two things that really fascinate me about Tyler Sagan coming into this upcoming season are the fact that you know over time we've seen him evolve from more of a winger that had the C next to his name because of you know age and inexperience into a a kind of scoring center then all of a sudden he could win face-offs, right? And then, like I said, the bubble play. And so now I'm, I'm, you know, the big question mark is going to be how how far back and how 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 much of his former self does he recapture post-surgery, post-recovery? And, you know, here's hoping sort of the extended layoff has allowed him to do that. Because I think that if, if he comes back physically whole or at least close – if if you can pair the guy that was able to find ways up and down the ice to contribute on one leg with a, a, a hockey player with those same senses and acumen and two functioning limbs, right? Then I I don't know that he's not that guy. And I, I don't I you know I don't I don't know that he's necessarily a number one in the sense of that high-end, you know, we're not gonna look at the top five league scores and, and necessarily pencil in Tyler Sagan's name, but I don't see any reason why he can't profile as the kind of player that, you know, you just sort of shrug and throw out there when you need something, whether it's a face off a key face off deep in the zone, um, or or a point late in a game. And I kind of think that he may be that guy, provided he can, you know, skate.
2: Yeah, I think you get a really good point where it's like that playoff run in the bubbles like it was really shocking me. It's like obviously I'm not gonna like accuse stars fans of not watching stars playoff games like oh you're just not actually watching. But it really was weird here seeing all these people, you know, turn on Sagan and saying like, oh like he's not producing, like he's not showing up, like what are you paying all this money for? When like you said, it's like he was very clearly hurt. You know, it almost felt like these people like they didn't notice Sagan as much as they usually would because he's hurt. Mm-hmm. But then they looked at the stats sheet afterwards and was like, oh, he's not doing so hot. Instead of actually recognizing during the game, like, oh, I do see what Sagan's doing and he's clearly, there's something there. I mean, when you think about the fact that afterwards he then underwent surgery and was out until pretty much the whole season. I mean, let's be honest, he was there at the very end, but he was otherwise out for this past year. And so I also think it will be very interesting to see how he comes back you know i know there's kind of the two schools of thought there's you know what for instance someone like a dom at the athletic uh talked about in his like worst contracts in hockey right now where sagan was up there And one of the reasons was he was saying like you know he's been he kind of tailed off a bit once he got the new contract and he's been injured and so he should still have a a pretty decent curve but otherwise it's like you know how do you really project someone to come back? And he took the mindset of, hey, um, you know, trying to come back from that injury at, when you're getting there and you're past the 30-year hump, it's that's not looking pretty. You're probably not going to you know, be anywhere close to what you used to be. And meanwhile, there's kind of your mindset, and I think that's where I fall into a bit more. is like, okay, well, he was hurt. He's now had plenty of time to heal. He's gotten some he's able to been on the ice at least for some games this last season, so it's not like it's been you know two years since he last played a hockey game or something like that, but it's like, I, I do have that cautious optimism that he can be, you know, refine his shape, and and not maybe not be, you know, the guy that he was when he first, for instance, when he first came to Dallas, and then he and Ben just decided to, you know, light the entire league on fire and win an Art Ross and all that, but You know, I think he can definitely get back to that level where it's like, okay, we're playing the stars, you know, top line center, Tyler Sagan, you know, here's what we need to watch out for him. Yeah. I mean,
1: and it's going to have, he he should have more help this year, right? There are more options around the lineup. So I want to, you, you mentioned him and it's impossible to discuss Sagan without talking about Ben a little bit. And one of the other storylines and. you know, this past season was Ben, you know, Jamie Ben being shifted to center and seeing a pretty significant resurgence in his, in particular, his offensive production after making the move. And all of the sudden, there, you know, he he had played a little bit of center as a much younger player, and and you know, ultimately needs elsewhere moved him back onto the wing. And then he, as you mentioned, lit the league on fire. And so he he'd sort of la- settled into this hybrid role of um he he sort of settled into this hybrid role where sagan and he were a line mate and depending upon situations would do you know one of them would be doing the heavy lifting defensively the other one you know would you basically all they would depending on where the face-off was set up right one might and so um one might take that that draw and and sort of figure it out on the ice is is the way to put it. Um and so all of a sudden Sagan's not around. Ben shifts to center more full time, recaptures some of his scoring. And all of a sudden, do you feel like Ben is a serious sustaining option in the middle of the ice this coming season?
2: So to me, it's like there there's kind of two hands or I'm rest with one, it's the fact that, you know, Ben said, like in interviews, what Ben has said, and he's he's a pretty matter of fact guy. Uh, not exactly the greatest sound, but you know, but he said, like, hey, like I enjoy this kind of getting moved back over. And he mentioned, like, yeah, that the beginning of my career that I played some, and it was it wasn't working. It really wasn't for me, you know. But now, like, I feel like a pickup in my game and whatnot. So on one hand, it's like you know, if that's what If we saw that he improved, if that's what, you know, Ben feels like he's really comfortable with, then I think, you know, you go for that. I mean, he's a legitimate, you know, that's a legitimate thing right there. And the other hand, it's me trying to think back to things. And, you know, I don't have any uh, fancy stats with or without you that I'm looking at or anything like that. But, you know, a part of me is also kind of thinking, you know, that shift was made. I mean, we were missing. I mean, Sagan was out. uh, Radulov was out we had team was team was hit with COVID like there was all these different kind of wrinkles and so part of me if it's also just wondering maybe it was either that he was just taking on a different role or if it was you know hey now that he's playing at center we're putting these players alongside him who might not otherwise he might not otherwise play with you know because you have that kind of thing when you these ideas that if you're like oh you're a winger. Well, we need to put we need to play you with Foxa because Fox is one of our centers or whatnot, and we really need someone who can play the center role in that line, you know. Or did it become a thing like, oh, well, now if Ben can play the center role. Now you have someone like Goryanova and this uh, other player, Kiviranta, or someone like that, and now you can put both of those players with Ben, where you might not otherwise, if it wasn't for that sort of position change. So I, I don't know. Part of it is also just because you know, like we talked about in you know, the whole, the whole C slash era, you know, we're definitely shifting more to, at least when it comes to the forward group, like a more positionless era of hockey. And when you're talking about like with Ben and Sagan, where, you know, Ben would take a, a lot of face-offs, even though Sagan was the center, but then when it came to, you know, in the offensive zone, that one of them would take the center position, but maybe in the defensive zone, the other person would. So it's like, So to me, it's like there seems – I guess what I'm trying to get at, my point with all the rambling is that they seem to be making a big deal of, hey, Ben is having this potential resurgence at center, and this is good, and he's a center, and we want to make sure we can uh, accentuate him as a center. And to me, it's like, okay, maybe it's not so much the position you put it on, but the way you're utilizing him or who you're pairing with him – is what's really bringing about those changes. And that just happens to be what happened. A byproduct of that is the fact that you're putting a C next to his name instead of a LW.
1: No, I think that that fits, especially with this roster where, you know, there's. A, a dearth of facilitators offensively, right? There's a lot of gunners in guys like, like Garyanov and Pavelski to a certain degree, Rajilov, a little bit. He's more of a playmaker than he gets credit for. But it does make sense from a role perspective, and that, you know, especially as Ben is, is, kind of reaching the physical decline phase of his aging curve, you want to put him in positions where he can maybe more heavily lean on his mental attributes and and find other ways to get him involved in the game. And and the shift into the pivot is sort of one way to, you know, you put him with with talented players that will do a lot of the the skating for him. And then all of a sudden you're preserving, you know, Ben's assets, which are his intelligence and his ability to just, you know, move a puck at hypersonic velocity. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, and then, you know, talking positional group, right? Then the the trick comes into, especially with Sagan back, okay, well, if this is why we're, we're talking about position groups, right? Okay, so if, if Sagan and Ben are spending a lot of time on the pivot, right, does that bump a, a guy like like hints or does that, you know, what, what does that do with hints? What does it do with Pavelski? And And so far just limiting to the offensive centers, right? So is, is if, if Ben in fact is a center, then what does that do to a group? Okay. Well, there's two center slots. So if Ben is a center, does he fill one of the, the offensive center slots and then Sagan the other, or, or, you know, do you have kind of a hybrid, like where does he, where does he go in a situation where he's a center?
2: Yeah, it is an interesting question. And before I answer that, to pick up one back thing, I do think, like you said, definitely he was being asked to do different stuff than he would as when he kind of made that shift to center. And I almost try to think of it like, typically when you're thinking of centers, you're thinking like a big thing, a part of Ben's game has always been his physical aspect. And when I'm trying to think of it, I almost feel like league-wide, more physical players are typically attributed to you know the wingers and the wing type roles and not so you much the center up, yeah. like yeah like even with like think about for our own like for the fcc line we had for years and you're thinking like not that that was necessarily like a like a brawling line but if you're thinking about like it was typically oh like como or Cagliano can put on the physical presence and then you fox as just the you know the center whiz like there's even with these a lot of these two-way players it's not so much like but you don't really think of the center as the person who's going to go around, you know, being physical. And so part of that is like, yeah, Ben is with his age and kind of leaning away from that. You know, that's not something he's focusing on as much, which means he could put kind of more of his uh, stamina and power into. You know, the more offensive skills. Um,
1: And I'm going to drop a really stupid cliche on you. So maybe KT has a sound drop or just me apologizing to the audience. The (laughs) thing, the thing, the thing, it's sort of the old beast mode. Ben meme that makes me think of this and that when Ben is at his most damaging, you know, it's not when you're hitting people because it's the old. This is where the cliche comes in. If you're hitting somebody, you don't have the puck. Right. And the Dallas Stars are a better team when Jamie, when Jamie Ben has the puck. They're a more dangerous team offensively, and yeah, he's you know a gigantic mountain of a man that can you know pummel mere mortals into dust, right? He's he's a, an intimidating physical presence, and I'm not saying that Dallas Stars do not want him physically engaged, but it makes a certain amount of sense to me your points about yeah, wingers tend to hit more because they're they have more license they're further up the ice generally it's not that they have you know unimportant defensive responsibilities but their their defensive responsibilities are a little bit more rigid limited you know they're limited a little bit more rigid they're not doing as much so they can afford to you know find puck you know destroy whatever's at the puck and then then figure out the next piece and and While that is a valuable, you know, very valuable skill one won Jamie Ben and Art Ross at this stage and, and with the roster around him, I don't think this team necessarily benefits from the, you know, the hunter killer destroyer of men, Jamie Ben. They want, they want the, the big body with soft hands that can protect the puck and, and, you know dish to a teammate kind of keep the offense moving that is much much more valuable to this particular roster and so it makes sense to me that you might want to move him into a position that is a little bit more focused on that aspect of the game than than that seek and destroy role that he performed in so well for for so many years
2: yeah I mean, you definitely hit a- a bar at some point, like some sort of skill level bar. I think whoa, whoa, whoa. Where, we're, we're not talking about Tyler Sagan hitting crossbars anymore. My, no, no, we're not. My ego can no. I just flashbacks, <laughs> no, bad memories. No, please, please don't. But
0: <laughs>
2: there's definitely a level that I think once you're, once you reach past that level, I think is when, yeah, even if you have that sort of skill, like that, like kind of physical aspect, I think for players in general, it's a lot more, you know, it's a lot better to, you know, focus more on the offensive, you know, skill, talent to have. It's like when you see someone and, uh, like, over the years, whether it's like a Brian Marchand or Corey Perry or someone like that, or even Jamie Benn, like, just in the fact when you're saying, like, hey, you're such a good player, like, what are you doing in the penalty box? Oh, well, the reason is because you're trying to be physical and you get in a fight or you're, you know, you go too far trying to be physical and it's almost like, you know... (laughs) like you said it's like you know when you're hitting you don't have the puck um, for someone like Ben where his skill level and he still has like you know even with the decline and you know kinds more rapidly for power forwards and you know other types of players but you know he still has that talent level where it's like you know we just need to get Ben the puck more he can't really be focused on you know bruising around or anything like that like he will be most beneficial for this team you know with the puck and if that's you know, a move, if the way that kind of happens is by the coaching staff slapping the center role on him, you know, then I think that's good. And, you know, I think you then, you know, figure out, I think based on his price tag and the fact that he is an op- a very talented offensive player and the fact that he's a captain and the team, you know, feeds off that energy. You know, I think you if that's what works, if that's what gets you the best spin. You know, I think you put him in that position and you kind of figure the rest of your lineup around that. You know, maybe that means, okay, Sagan is going to get head to the wing and um, because he needs to be in our top six. And we already have Heinz and Pavelski on a pair with uh, Robertson. So, you know, that means there's no. Uh, send a role for Sagan or maybe it means hey we're share. gonna you have two centers on a line yeah. right <laughs> yeah or, we're yeah back or to maybe, where we started <laughs> yeah or maybe it mean, or maybe it means like hey like we're gonna put Ben on a we're, we're gonna try and get Ben on our you know I guess third role and not so much trying to do a checking line but maybe he is in that kind of shutdown line where it's That's not crazy. in the sense of trying to shut down or like, Oh, we never have the puck, but more so in a, Hey, we're feel confident putting Ben and his wingers up against the teams, the opponents, you know, top up into players because we can get Ben the puck and Ben can do incredible things with the puck. And if he has the puck they don't have the puck, like, let me, I think, let me
1: stop there. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's that's that to me is the most fascinating aspect of the, there's a couple of things I kind of want to, want to unpack. So in this in this instance, right, if if we for the moment we've already talked about Sagan, right? Presumably a center, if we for the moment assume that, you know, one of Pavelski and hints is going to stay on the dot, right? So that's the other pair. How much are you concerned at the prospect of, you know, Jamie Benn super duper third line center?
2: You know, I'm not, too, I'm not too concerned about it. The only concern I guess I would have, you know, I, some people say, oh, you can't have someone who's making that price tag in that sort of role or in that one. But, like, the way I view it is like, he, he has that price tag. He's on the team. He's not going anywhere. You know, don't make decisions based on trying to justify the price tag because that's where you get into traps and trying to play people in positions where they shouldn't because, you know, the, when it comes to the coach, like, the team is the team. You know, and I think, you know, my only concern with trying to kind of put in those role is like, okay, if he's hitting off some against the, you know, teams that have some of the very younger and a lot faster players, uh, very fluid ones, you know, the Connor McDavid's of the world. And it's like, okay, you know, would Ben necessarily be able to keep up or be able to hold his own. But I mean, in that case, I think you then just play it, you know, situationally by your opponent or by the game situation. And you kind of, you know, audible. So like, if i'm looking at the the roster and i see you know ben on that third line centering it you know personally i'm not going to say like oh why is it Ben in the top six or what are we paying him for you know that's like something that's like all right if it if it works and, and it produces results you know i mean hey i'm all for it
1: yeah and i think as well right the other piece of of this is that you know and it's been said before but but the the line number is much, much less important than the the time on ice number. And that's – I'm going to use the same Absolutely. way to say something very – and it's – I'm partially being snarky, right? So Jamie Ben at the third line center doesn't really mean much of anything until you look at how he's deployed, right? And this is where I get into my concern, which I feel like Jamie Ben as a pivot of his own line given the stars roster could give the Dallas stars very interesting tactical tactical wrinkles, right? It's another problem for the opposing coach to worry about all of a sudden it kind of gets out of the, you know, I've got a scoring line to worry about and I've got a second scoring line to worry about and then some muckers and grinders, right? So it kind of, it, it, if used correctly, it could give the Dallas stars a really fascinating form that would present some matchup problems, which could absolutely help this roster where it, that has been sort of traditionally um, sh- hard to come by goals the last couple seasons. My fear though is, and why this is a concern, right? Cause that sounds pretty, pretty rad. My concern is that to do so would require kind of breaking from hockey orthodoxy and how lines are deployed. And, you know, look at, look at last season's time on the ice and how, you know, como regularly led the stars and and this is not a coaching staff that has earned very much faith in being unorthodox and so my entire my my fear around giving jamie ben you know the pivot on his own line is is you know dallas winds up in this situation where they're playing jamie ben as a checking you know as a checking center and just completely discarding the offensive aspect of his game and and so it's it's one of those like I think you could get really creative with, you know, building an offensive unit around, you know, Sagan and, and possibly Radulov, right? Building, giving, you know, Sagan Radulov maybe Kiviranta or somebody, right? But giving him some some talent, keeping that that Pavelski, Robertson, and Hentz unit together, uh, and then giving Jamie Benn some weapons of his own to play with, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, some playmakers scattered around, right? More likely, no. though, it's going to be Ben and and Foxa and and Como as a third line, and then what 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 the hell's the point?
2: <laughs> and, and I, I mean, I, I think you you're spot on with that concern. of it, it really boils down to what this coaching staff envisions for this team and their roster makeup. Because there's two different kind of ways you can try and look at things. You can look at it saying, okay, they they signed Luke Glending. Who is your? Hey, he's he's our fourth center, and then Fox is definitely a center, so that puts him on the third center. And hey, you still have Como, even though you lost Cogliano. That's two thirds of the line. Just find a third, and you're back in business. You know, and then there's the kind of the mindset of like, okay, well, hold on a second. Like, you know, maybe Glendening is not a clear-cut fourth line center. Maybe he's potentially a winger, or you know, rotates in. You know, maybe you know Como was brought back on a that minimum deal essentially um you know i mean he was only 900k um if i'm not mistaken yep, right there. and yep. so it's like you know maybe they're thinking okay coaches as much as it doesn't make sense to me at times i kind of get it but it's like you know maybe that means you know that the coaching staff is more willing to just put como on the fourth line or have him kind of be in that more you know bubble roll instead of penciling him in and at that point you just have Foxa left, who is, you know, kind of coming off of a down year. So I don't know. Maybe there is a world where you can kind of imagine, no, they would be fine putting Fox on the fourth line and maybe not going. They could either try and recreate, like make a new FCC line, whether that is Fox and Como and someone else, or just Fox and someone else or Ben or someone else, or they could kind of go with the, you know, more creative where they're saying, okay, we're not going to have, that anymore you know that worked with players we had but you know that's just not going to be a thing anymore we need to find the best way to deal with the players we have now on our team and that parlays more into you know three top lines that are a bit more of an offensive threat um yeah and, and there's two, two course, different ways you that have, happen- and you may have some situational
1: stuff in mind right so you may you may look at of those you know three lines that can potentially score but you know you know, one of them might very well be, you know, Jamie Ben and and Ronton and, and have a little bit more of an aggressive kind of puck hound lean, while maybe another one is more of a gunner. Maybe you slap, um, you know, you slap Gurianov and Radulov on on one of the you know kind of one of the forward pairs, and and yeah, they'll they're not really. We we all know what that level of defense is going to look like. It's much more about keeping the puck away and hammering it towards the opposing net to avoid scoring chances against, right? So you can you can skew them a little bit, but you know, there's, there's some options there again, but it just hinges upon a certain level of coaching creativity. And I just, I don't know. I'm not, I, and, and that's not even necessarily skepticism. The part of that is me admitting my own limitations, right? And that's the sort of stuff that's really hard to tell sometimes, but it's, it's difficult to look at a team that has been, you know, very conservative in the way that it's deployed its minutes and then think that they're suddenly going to do something compelling and interesting generating offense across three different distinct units.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I agree like wholeheartedly and definitely my more uh, pessimistic and negative personality is just like, you know, what am I, what, what are we even talking about for the past like 10 minutes? Like this is Rick bonus for talking about and defense defending big D, you know, that's what our identity is and this whole kind of defensive mindset and that's the kind of, grind we dug into and trying to make these runs and clear in the mindset that we've kind of built the team with. So I I, I guess the the whole, the one small glimmer of hope for me is that, you know, I think they markedly played different hockey those during the bubble run. And I wrote about this at the time, but it's like, you could tell that they played different hockey against, you know, Calgary, and Colorado they, especially against Colorado gets this high scoring team they didn't Yeah,
1: they had to score
2: for they they them. Like, yeah, they like they didn't go into their typical mentality of, "Oh, we'll just try and keep Colorado from scoring more than two goals." Like, no, they pretty much said like, "Hey, Colorado's going to light us up, but we just got to light them up back." And that was a high scoring series. I mean, heading into Colorado, that series, we were the top 2 scoring teams in the playoffs, I think, and we outscored them in that one. And so, you know, part of me is saying, OK, between that and then they sh- and then for Vegas, they completely shifted to a different sort of strategy to better match Vegas. And so part of me is thinking, OK. Maybe this last season was, you know, with that maybe because of the fact that you had the covid and the strange schedule and all the injuries they dug into that, what was safe, the conservative um, defensive mentality I mean, so maybe there is a glimmer of hope that, you know, the coaching staff has proven in the past that they can get a little bit creative with their game plan and how they're deploying their team, you know, so maybe, assuming this is a normal season, all things considered, with a a heavy asterisk next to that maybe, but, you know, maybe the coaching staff can actually regain some of that, you know, kind of that spark or that magic they kind of got in the bubble where they're saying, you know, this is what we're going to do with it and we're going to be a bit more creative and hey if it doesn't work you know we at least have this more conservative you know defensive plan we can kind of fall back
1: on i mean there's a world in which you you use tyler sagan right you use 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 alex raduloff to hunt the puck down and from then it becomes a contest between garyanov and sagan to see who can hit a puck the hardest and there there's a world in which that could be a lot of fun (laughs)
2: there's a there's a lot of fun combinations that the stars can do i mean i think that's a good thing it's like like I said at the towards the beginning like I don't think they have this clear cut number 1 center. I don't even think they necessarily have their clear cut like number one or number two wingers. It's a lot more, you know, murky waters compared to like their defensive pairings for instance, but yeah. I think they have a lot of players. They definitely have more than 6 players who you could say, hey, they're in, this guy is guys, a top 6 forward for us and you would be like, okay, we're in pretty good shape. You know, yeah, so it I does think feel Sagan. like
1: Dallas has a top six rather than a, you know, and, and one thing I want to get to before I know we're we're inching up on on time, but I want you talking about flexibility. One of the things I want to cover before we get up, just to double check. Do do we see with so assuming Sagan is healthy, learning what we've learned about Jamie Ben this past season, you know, the team's obvious organizational affinity for Radic Foxa. Do you see this season? sliding either hence rafelski off the dot and just neither of them being a center of of much you know playing time
2: uh sorry which who wouldn't be a center in this case or
1: so we're we're kind of baking in the assumption here and it started last season with pavelski hence robertson line right and and is there a world in which a return to health by tyler sagan shatters that line and we see somebody else on the pivot and distributing those players elsewhere. Like does, does, you know, cause hence has not been a not, center. Yeah, the get, yeah.
2: Yeah. I gotcha. I, I think there is, you know, I think it, it's kind of like how we, in years past, we had the super lines, whether it was, you know, Ben Sagan, Spezza, or, um, and say good like Dallas is traditionally. It's it's weird how there's only two
1: line. and two.
2: It's weird it's only two and two of the names are the same.
1: Yeah, it's almost it's like, like, like
2: Dallas hasn't had a lot
1: of offense over the last decade.
2: Well, yeah, but then you have like you've had those like two super lines, and now like people were talking about like, hey, you know, you have Pavelski, Henson, um Robertson that are the new super line, and. We always talk about that. And then when throughout the season we see in all these different game situations for all these different reasons. So it's because the team is struggling or they need something else. You, you know, we always see the team, you know, that line broken up and people get dispersed and thrown into the line blender. So while I do think that that's a line that is pretty obviously worked really well. And obviously the coaching staff really likes a lot. You know, I think it's definitely a chance that that gets broken up. And I think if you add in a healthy Sagan to it, especially a healthy Sagan that is able to get back, you know, kind of a, a high level, even if it wasn't his peak, but still a high level, then I think that definitely potentially throws a wrench in things. And, you know, like I said, it's kind of, you have a lot of different possibilities, a lot of different avenues that the uh, team could take. And a lot of injury insurance has, uh, has a side effect.
1: Yeah. So then I think that's, a, I would agree with that. I, I and I, I, think, you know, again, we talk about flexibility and we talk about creativity. I think that there's a world in which the answer is all of the above. And realistically speaking, the way that the modern NHL works and the way that good offenses work, we're going to see, you know, Sagan, Ben, Hintz and Pavelski doing some work at that position in the top, you know, on the top two lines. Right, and and some of that's going to be maybe is defined pairings, and also some of it's going to be they're going to move off that position, right? We're 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 talking about special teams, right? Pavelski may very well he's much more valuable in front of the net, right? So I think we're going to see some some fluctuation and some some you know moving pieces, you know. Hopefully, Uh, I could see a world in which we don't, and that would suck. Uh, The last name really, and then we'll we'll close things out is you know, how much faith do you have in Radic Fox as a bounce back candidate? How much is it the hand, you know, kind of the lingering bubble injury that that admittedly didn't heal, right? What can the Stars, is he the number three kind of defensive shutdown guy that the Dallas Stars seem to, to think he is slash want him to be?
2: I think, I feel optimistic about him bouncing back. You know, I think when it comes to, you know, people were saying, like, you know, as far as like ex- expansion draft exposure or trading, like, to me, it's kind of like I-, I would probably hinge on the fact that as a player of what I'm looking into heading in next season. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably going to feel a lot better about Fox and feel like he could do that. You know, down the line, throughout the entirety of his contract, when it comes to you know what, how many years and the value, you know, that's where it gets a bit, you know, more. <laughs> the- the- the three years for me. after this one, but three, three, yeah, 2. but. but But as far as, you know, this upcoming season, like, if you were to tell me if you were coming, got a time machine, and you had one trip, and what you chose to do with that one trip was to say, Tyler, erotic Fox uh, is back to being a (laughs) shutdown third line center, then I would probably be like, oh, yeah, I could have told you that. (laughs) Why why not go do something better? (laughs) You know? Uh, But yeah, I I, I can see it. You know, I can... I can see both ways. I can definitely see him being like, okay, this was definitely not working out. And, you know, he is going to have to be that kind of fourth line center who is maybe just there because that's a amount of money he's getting and, you know, coaching staff is getting less. But yeah, but I mean, I would, if if we were hinging bets, and I would probably take the over on that as far as his performance.
1: Well, you heard it here, right? Radic fox a big bouncer. He is. He's Tyler's lead pipe lock bounce back candidate for the coming season. So we'll, we'll just we'll jo- we'll put that one down in pen and, and I'll sleep easier. I'm sure. No, I, I think you're. I do think you're right, though. I think he's. It it is reasonable to think he will be able to do what Dallas needs him to do to be effective. Um, it's or at the very least, I think it's going to come much. It's going to come down much more to his line mates and how much how as a unit functional is Dallas's checking, you know, checking line versus a, any individual piece of that line.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know there, there's like, I said, like we kind of talked about, there's plenty of options for Dallas to try and morph their identity one way or another. And whether that means, you know, Fox is taking that able to take on that more third line checking forward role like he has before in the center or if he's not, you know, at least the stars have options. And hey, if anything that we can say with 100 uh, percent certainty, it's that uh, before every game, when uh, Saad Yusuf puts out the lines for the stars, that everyone on Twitter will get along and uh, rationally discuss and, uh, and agree with decisions. I mean
1: we'll come together as a fandom right because if there's if there's you know two things in this world that Stars fans can universally respect one the first is obviously you know Rick Bonus's judgment in the deployment of his players. like we all just absolute faith there. And then the second is that that this team is going to to pull through for us and, and those two things are just absolute and I, I look forward to to experiencing
2: it next season. Yeah, I mean, we, in all seriousness, I do, I do want to point out there was something that uh, I saw earlier today where it was like there was a survey of like a there was like a data mining of how like what percentage for sports fandoms uh, when you took all comments about that team whose were the most negative like highest Yikes. percentage and number one out of all sports in North America was the Las Vegas Raiders with like seventeen percent and then this number two and most like highest percentage of negativity was the Dallas Stars with 14.4 or something like that. So so you've heard it, if you haven't seen that tweet, like you heard it here first, uh, <laughs> Dallas stars most negatively talked about team in the NHL, second most of the professional sports. in terms of percentage of the tweets, second highest percentage. <laughs>
1: I mean that tracks, right? Even some of their, their <laughs> definitely best tracks. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Think about the, the elimination game against Calgary, uh the series against Colorado, even when this team is succeeding, they're they're doing so like they may put they they may put the fire out, but they definitely light the dumpster on fire first. <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, people are like, people are like, oh, why isn't Toronto higher? It's just like, oh, well, there's a lot of, like, you know, high, happy Toronto fans or whatnot, or people who are like homers, but, you know, if the stars, even the own fans are like, oh, man, like, we sucked, or, oh, how could you do this line decision? We're going to totally regret you playing this player for, you know, 16 minutes instead of 15 minutes and 54 seconds. Yeah, those six seconds are going to cost us the season, and... <laughs>
1: oh uh, man well, well <laughs> i will say one thing that i totally don't regret tyler is spending this time talking to you about the, the oh, stars. No, just trying to inject some positivity that's that put put some positivity back into the world as we close this one out
2: this, yeah there we go just a, little, just a little sparkle
1: well well we'll we're definitely doing our part in that 14 percent. i know i am personally uh, maybe maybe i'll put a swear jar out and try and do better but That remains to be seen. Tune in, tune in next time. How's that for a a teaser? We'll talk about another positional group. Um, We're going to, we're going to do something here, especially in the waning days of summer. We're going to talk about our, our kind of all time favorite stars building on that moments thing we started last week. Want to get more into that. So there's, there's more stuff to come, but I think that that this position was meaty enough We're, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, Any any closing thoughts, uh, Tyler, about Dallas stars centers or really just where we are in the off season right now.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm just ready for hockey to be back. I want to be able to see this stuff in action instead of all this, uh, hypothetical. I want to see, I want to see some angry tweets. And then I want to we be gotta able to make fun the of those angry tweets.
1: <laughs> That's the, the charge to Dallas stars fandom. We got to pass the Raiders. This is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: so right. number one in the NHL.
1: <laughs> number one, baby. Well, thanks as always, uh, KT for putting it all together. Uh, Stay tuned folks We'll be back next week with, with more fun I'm sure We may just scrap everything And revisit the, the third defensive pairing Because I, I have more thoughts
2: All 32 teams all 30.
1: <laughs> this, we'll, do a, we'll do a ranking of all 32 third pairings Hope not Please listen Tell your friends Hit us up in the comments We're happy to talk Tyler as always Thank you KT You're amazing And uh, that'll be that for today